The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Sydney Senior, and today we are here to talk about personalized, relevant messaging at scale. As people are coming into the room, would love to hear where everyone's tuning in from, if you can drop that in the chat below. So we're lucky enough to have two incredible guests here today. Dorothy, she's one of the first sales hires at Lavender, and Tom, the founder of the SD Lab. Both of them are experts in the field of creating effective messaging. All right, I see we have people from SoCal, Beirut, India. Amazing. Super excited to have you all here. Got Miami. Um, Wanted to start us off with a quick question. Dorothy, why is it so important to be able to create scalable, relevant messaging? I think if we... um dial it well there's two things if we dial it back it comes to the amount of time you have in a day right to get to in front of your prospect and you know book a meeting um so one dialing down a process and system is important and then two having a personalized and relevant email when reaching out shows people that you care about them it shows them you care about their problems and you can actually solve that and it also helps you build deeper relationships that you know would turn into business no guarantees but at least it starts you off on the right foot yeah that makes a lot of sense it gives you a much better chance of getting their attention in a way that actually resonates well thank you for sharing that i'm super excited to dive in further Uh, before we start if you're looking to level up in 2023 We are here to help with our Sell Better Daily Sales Show, our membership with instant access to training and resources, and our corporate sales training for your team. Check us out at sellbetter.xyz or scan the QR code on the screen. Also, none of this would be possible without our amazing sponsors, so just wanted to say a big thank you to Vidyard and Apollo. Um, As you know, we're always trying to drop as much value as we can on the show, so you can check out Apollo and the link we're going to drop in the chat. And if you want to be a hero to your RevOps team, we are giving 25% off annual contracts with Apollo. So throw one in the chat if you're interested in that, and we'll be in touch. So before we go over today's agenda, um, just wanted to go ahead and ask, who do we have in the room today? We definitely want to make sure we tailor the conversation to who's here. If you're an SDR, if you're an AE, if you're a manager, that's going to help us out a lot in making sure this conversation is as relevant as possible. So the main things that we want to cover today are how to personalize messages at scale to any customer persona so that no matter who you're selling to, you walk away with this feeling a little bit more comfortable about how to create outreach that's going to resonate with them. We want to give you some less conventional, more creative ways to get information about your prospects. So maybe not super active on LinkedIn and you don't know what to use in your outreach. We're going to give you that information. And then with the growing, increasingly competitive sales market, we're going to tell you what messaging is and isn't working in 2023 to give you the best chance of success. Uh, So it looks like we have just about 51% um, SDRs and BDRs in the room with about a quarter of the rest of them being AEs. So with that in mind, we'd definitely love to hear your inputs, Tom and Dorothy, on how our frontline reps can really be managing their outreach. Um, So I'm going to start it off with a question for Dorothy. What is the difference between personalization and relevance? Uh, Well, these are fighting words here. Uh, (laughs) To define both of them, 
um, I think really comes down to breaking down your messaging, right? So for me, personalization is something about the person or, you know, their role specifically about them. Um, and then for relevancy, it's how do we actually tie that into their business initiatives, their responsibilities, and the outcomes that they're looking to get. Um, I think today, a lot of people think personalization is just the first part, but you need both in order to start a conversation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I've had heard that explained to me as like the so what factor, like... Yeah, it's cool if you know something personalized about them, but unless it actually pertains to the message you're sending, it's not really useful. Is there anything you'd add to that, Tom? I think you both hit it on the head, right? That that's all it is, is if you know, so what? Right. If you're gonna bring in this this personalization and and try to message based on their college, their their role, their local town stuff for even that, right? It doesn't make sense. Is it even included for purpose? Um, and does it tie into the whole message, not just that first intro, and then immediately you're pitch slapping them right in the second paragraph, right? But if it can all be tied in and it talks of the the narrative that you're trying to say, then, then you're bringing the two together um, and it works really well. Awesome. So with the importance of having that personalized outreach, Tom, I'm curious, is it even possible to create personalized outreach at scale? And if so, how do you go about doing that? Oof, the hot take, the fun conversation for myself. Um, you know, I it can be, yes. Simple answer is yes, you can scale personalization, um, but you have to use formulas, right? You can't scale the same email. Again, if I'm talking about, you know, a specific school tying it into Dorothy. I can't if, if she responds. I can't now double down on that e same exact email and send it to everybody, right? But what I can do is really understand why that email was a success. Figure out what hit for Dorothy in that, and then find a formula to scale that out for the rest of the team. Saying, "Hey, check out Dorothy's approach in this, you know, personalization. Here's how I've stripped it down so you can see." kind of her overview and framework to how she got there, right? And then they can throw that in their sequencer, they can start sending their messages, but now they know like how to tie in that whole story to some to the next person based off those wins that they've seen. So I'll, and the second piece is your data, your targeting. It, people think that it's every single email you're sending every day and you know you're not getting through a lot of activity because every email is one off. But when you start bucketing you start targeting. This is what I work with my clients in, right? Is figuring out where to be intentional with your time. What are your top accounts that deserve the personalization? What are the buyer personas that deserve that? Where the rest of the kind of bucket and accounts you work might not need all of that personalization. They don't need that kind of outreach. So once you start targeting and really aligning with your time, then you're 20, sending 25 personalized emails a day to the right folks, not, hey, Dorothy, I need you to send 100 emails today to your account list and please make sure every single one is relevant, right? Not every single person does she need to send an email to deserve, need that, I guess deserve is the wrong word, but needs that type of attention, right? So when yeah. you target and you bucket accordingly um, and then you find the frameworks behind the personalization and those formulas, then yes, you can reach a point of successful scaling um, in the sense that it would work, not, hey, just send that same email to everybody. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like you're being really intentional about the parts of it that need to be customized for each person, but you're also kind of having buckets of people to send emails to so that you're t 
touching on the same general themes. Um, I have, let me, <laughs> sorry guys, still learning the sharing system. I have an email here from you, Dorothy, that I really, really like, and I think it blends that personalization and relevance really well. Could you walk us through what it was like to write that email, what your thought process was behind it? Uh, yeah, so I sat down and I listened to a, I guess a webinar or something like that they were doing. Um, and I probably could have hit up Mark and Lars in this conversation, but I was targeting um, this other person here. And so just kind of pointed out my observation that, hey, you know, I listened to this thing that you were on, um, dialed into a few key points that he, that person talked about. Uh, told the little stories using his words mm -hmm. and then tied in how, you know, Lavender could help him solve that. Um, but nowhere in here did I even mention Lavender. And then, you know, just kind of told the story using their words and then uh, added a call to action. Um, so really, it's just the observation, right? The pain points that come from that or the story that goes around it. And then showing how my product ties into those things and then uh the cta nice um I, I appreciate you sharing that context and i know that this email was written specifically for these prospects but it looks like a lot of what you're talking about could be relevant to most people in the space and so i i think you did exactly the right approach of taking something from their webinar and understanding what pains they have and then tying it into a broader call to action that wasn't hyper personalized on every line, which is, I think, what makes it scalable, but still a powerful email. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so I had a question for everyone in the room. What is the biggest challenge you face when it comes to creating personalized outreach? Because I know it's not always the easiest thing. It's a good one. Yeah. So we're we're asking the audience, but I'd love to hear from you, Tom. What what's something you run into a lot? Um, it it's probably the number one answer that most people are going to say here is they just can't find information about the prospect, mm -hmm. right? It's not really keeping it relevant. It's not really finding if it takes too long. Be, it's it's more is my audience even out there that I can do something like that or or they just presented? Is my buyer on a podcast that I could actually go listen to? You know, with some of my clients and some of the GTM strategies I'm doing, they don't have like a very social presence in their market. Their reps, they're their their prospects don't. So how do I write relevancy, right? How do I find that personalization? And so I think anytime I'm trying to write that that one-off email, it, it's between can't find information and it takes too, you know, it, it's I would not say it takes too long, but my email gets too long. Cause sometimes mm -hmm. then trying to tie that all together becomes this really like kudos to Dorothy right take notes reps in here like dorothy has some more examples that just knock it out of the park and how she's tying it together keeping it mobile and finding a way to be super relevant but sometimes you can get too wordy and too long in the email um trying to tie everything together yeah no that makes a lot of sense and it looks like most of the audience concurs with that um the biggest issues being that it takes too long and that it's really hard to find information about prospects so that actually ties really well into our next point that i would love to hear from both of you when you're looking or if someone's looking for information on their prospects because they want to create that personalized outreach but maybe they're not posting a lot on linkedin or any of the traditional spaces that you go to to get information do you have any creative out-of-the-box places that you find prospect information to put into your emails if you can start us off dorothy yeah so i am big on looking at um company information at that point right uh 
Are there any recent news and events that are relevant? Are there any job openings or something that is tied to what I do? Maybe I'm looking at their tech stack, calling that information out. Um, you can even go just to their general company page, look at their values, kind of the language that they're using um, internally on their site. Um, and then, you know, just the general Google search as well to find, especially if you're targeting C-suite, there's, there's something out there. Hmm. Um, and then also what Tom said earlier about bucketing and segmentation, right? There's a chance that this person in this industry is going to have a very similar situation to, you know, a company in that same industry. Just can mm-hmm. tie that in. We can say like, hey, you know, I spoke with this company or we're working with this company. They have this kind of problem. Looks like you're handling that too. Curious if this is something you're experiencing as well. Right. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything you'd add to that, Tom? You know, I was, yeah, similar to that, right, is going into job descriptions. Maybe your solution can solve a problem for a role. Right. You're seeing what, you know, Dorothy can go and sit and look at, you know, a company looking for a sequence writer, you know, maybe for their team or they're looking for a sales leader. She can kind of pull that in. Right. Because obviously there's something there that might be, you know, them needing to scale revenue. And so in that job description are the things you can highlight. Right. That you might be able to pull into keywords um, that you can pull podcast. Going to YouTube is actually surprising, um, especially like Dorothy said, if you do see those C-suite folks, a lot of them do have YouTube content, they have podcasts, so you can go and dive into that. The issue that that's at hand is all of that is time consuming. All of it can be a very big challenge in the day-to-day. You know, I pull up this lead, can I go sit at YouTube for 10 minutes, you know, and look at this just to get that email out or go listen to this podcast. But that's where you got to look at the company website. Um, the company website's always creating content where they should be. Um, so if it's not the person, go look at the company, go look at their website real quick, do a glance over, see, is there anything your solution can solve? What pain points are in there? Maybe in the job description, the, the about us, right? Maybe there's something about the company values that you can tie in. Dorothy did a really good one in that example, right? Like you mentioned in your podcast that the skill building is here. This is something we help with, right? Let me show you how we can do that. Um, so that's where you can get really crazy with it. It's just think differently. Do the competitor stuff, rip off the competitor audience, go look at what they're doing. Use the herd theory, right? Hey, we're talking with so-and-so um, that also seems to be an issue for them. Looking at your website, I can tell that might be something for you too. This is why I'm reaching out. Um, and you can kind of personalize, you know, and be relevant. Personalization doesn't have to be specifically the person. It's relevancy. That's all it is. And I know Dorothy, you know, can attest to this is it's just more... You don't gotta know the person. You just gotta be relevant and and just show them that like I'm reaching out with purpose for you, Sydney. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this email for you because I saw X Y Z. This it's, it's trigger prospecting, right? Like, what's the trigger? Why are you even writing this email? And if you can't answer that question, don't write the email. Trash it and move on to the next prospect and come back. But you have to have purpose, and so finding that relevancy to get their attention use words that they commonly see on their website they see in there every day that'll resonate with them more um you know and drive those in your in your email yeah well i think that ties back really nicely to dorothy's point of using your buyer's language so 
they give you a lot of content already. They're telling you their problems if you know where to look. And if you use that messaging in your outreach, I think it'll resonate with them a lot better. So I really like those tips about, you know, looking at job descriptions, for example, of some alternative ways to find information about your prospects, because lots of times they'll tell you what their problems are, what the roles are hiring for. And if you can use their language from those descriptions in your outreach, that can be super impactful. Um, but the it looks like the actually the biggest issue people are having when it comes to creating personalized outreach is that it just takes too long. Mm-hmm. What's your best advice for keeping it more of a quick process like do you have a specific framework that you go after each account with do you how do you know when it's enough information like how would you tackle that it takes too long objection you want to go with dorothy or me i'm just gonna say Uh, use lavender use tools right like (laughs) lean into tech stack that do it for you uh you know lavender can you you know you put the person's email in the box and it'll pull up and kind of do a little bit of search for them so you can kind of pull some things it'll pull their social it'll pull the company and that'll make it quicker. So while you're live in the email, you can pull some stuff. So there's a lot of tech that'll give you that triggers or give you that enriched information and do it. Another one is, you know, leaning into chat GPT, open AI stuff, because if the person is a prominent figure, like a C-suite, you'll probably have an 80% chance of it being able to do the research for you or give you some nuggets about this person where like, you know, just in everybody, me and Dorothy go on there, it has no record of us, right? It's like, I don't know who Dorothy is, I don't know who Tom is, really hurts your soul. Uh, but you know, you can use that. The other thing I do is a formula I call the three by three because of prospecting paralysis, right? The research, I'll do three pieces of relevant information in under three minutes. So as the phone's ringing, as I'm writing the email, like real quick, three minutes tops, what can I find? And it kind of puts me in practice. And at first it took time to, to really get it within three minutes, but now I can I have those basis of what I'm trying to look at. I'll go to LinkedIn. I have my three places I commonly look, the headline, the banner, the about me, right? And I go there, um, try to find something there. Then I'll branch out to like the other things on LinkedIn that I might be able to find. But three by three is my best way of doing it. Um, just find a couple pieces of information and just tie into your message. And if you don't find anything, then lean on the persona, right? The other side of this is if you can't personalize to them, use the persona. And, and SDRs that are here, SDRing is a skill, but you should be passionate about the space you're in. Go find a job where you actually are already in that space, regardless of if you work there or not. Dorothy, as you can tell, is a master of email, whether she worked at Lavender or not. She has a thrill for it. She loves it. She likes helping people write. So she can work for Lavender and it makes her job 10x because she can be in that world and understand it where Dorothy loves email, but she's at a cold call company. Mm, Dorothy might not like that, right? That's not her jam. She's not going to be super passionate about what she does and can't really help people because ultimately in her heart, like, I don't, you know, I don't like the cold call. Not saying Dorothy does, just an example. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what you want to do is live in the world of your persona. So then your messaging can be directed at more of the persona research. Hey, in talking with some sales leaders recently, I've been discovering that actually finding a formula to write emails faster and personalization is a real pain. Here's a quick one pager I've got that kind of breaks down my formula and how I do it. I hope it could help the team. That's still personalized. That's still relevant. That's still to them. You know, hey, so Dorothy, I've got this for you, but I'm more playing to their their role and their in their their life. And they are like, hey, this person gets it. They get me um, versus a blind email. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I'd be curious to hear your take on that, Dorothy. And if you have a similar process, like the three by three, do you have a time constraint? Like how, how do you approach reaching out to new prospects? Yeah. So I often try to find 
people who are similar to the people I've talked to, right? So when I was an SDR, and I still do this now, right? I ran a report in Salesforce, you can HubSpot, I don't know how it works in HubSpot, but you can run a report on all your ops. Look at the mm -hmm. pains that, the titles, the pains that they're talking about. Use that information and then tie that into your messaging. And then you can target everybody that has a similar industry, uh, similar company size, all of that. Find those themes and it'll save you so much time because it does really come down to that segmentation, right? Once you have that bucketed, then you know, like, I'm just going to be talking to everybody in this industry at this company size. We'll probably have a very similar, like, pain, right? And so you know what that trigger is because it's tied to the pain that they've been talking about recently in the past 30, 60 days. It's relevant as Fs. Um, and then you can come in, use a framework to write the email, right? So we've got that observation. We've got the pain. We have the tie-in of our solution and the call to action. And so, uh, you know, I've done this with a company where I talked to everybody and their mother because we were like a whiteboarding solution. We talked to every type of persona possible. I've done this in uh, HR tech um, and stuff like that. And yes, we have talked to IT people and being able to talk to them in a way that you know, is, I guess, timing. It always comes down to the timing of your messaging. Mm -hmm. And the closer you can get to that, because you've, right, you guys, we're all in the day-to-day. -day. We talk to prospects every day. And that is that is like your superpower. Whether you're on a cold call and they're telling you, like, this is what I'm experiencing now. Or you're listening to calls from, you know, your past calls on Gong or wherever you're recording. Like, that's real-time information that you can take into your messaging and make it, so much more meaningful when you reach out. So it, it sounds like the, the themes that I'm hearing here are really understanding your buyer persona, the language that they're using, really understanding the problem that you're solving, and then having a strategy of approaching these kind of in groups. So if you target a few different personas, maybe focus on one at a time with your outreach so that you can understand what pain am I specifically solving? Why am I reaching out to them? And then that can kind of lend itself to using those frameworks and creating that personalized outreach at scale because you're not like changing it up with every different email. It's like, you know, this group of people will resonate with this type of messaging and you can tweak little bits of the beginning part of it if you have a webinar or a podcast or something you can reference. But otherwise, a lot of it is relatively the same. Does that, does that seem fair? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm super curious for everyone listening. I mean, I know we've just kind of discussed some of our um, where we're looking for um, prospect information, but where do you go when you're trying to get information about your prospects? So as everyone's answering that, I guess I'm just curious, like when you, to you, Dorothy, specifically, um, when you're getting a list of accounts that you need to go after, and you're trying to figure out what your outreach is going to look like. Let's hypothetically pretend you're at a new company and you don't already have everything all organized in terms of your frameworks. If you were given 50 new accounts today, how much time would you spend figuring out what your messaging is and your frameworks and who you're reaching out to? Um, and how much time would you spend specifically looking at the individual personas and what you're going to write to them in their emails? Like, What would that breakdown look like for you? Where is most of your energy going? Yeah, uh, so I do a little bit of a reflection at the end of every month. 
Uh, but if I'm in a new role, I would start by segmenting um, those people out and then trying to find what resonates with that persona, that industry, that size of the company first. Um, and then I can easily craft messaging around that. And I'll do that. You know, I'll pick you know, five accounts each day or yeah, that have that line up with that. And then I can then pick three to five people in those accounts, depending on the size of the company, right? Could be mm-hmm. two to three um, to go after in each of those. So uh, I think I ended up reaching out to you know, 10, 15 people a day. Um, and if you're relevant, uh, you know, you have reply rates of 44%. What I'm Gee. saying that every five email I send out, I'll book at least one to two meetings. So that's uh, just, wow. That's the master, incredible. the master at work. Gosh, Dorothy. Yeah. Uh, I used to do this as an SDR. Every org I went into, I would tell my manager I was actually prospecting for the first week I was on the floor. Um, especially if I switched territories, things like that. And I actually put in all the time to my research, understanding my persona, getting everything in order that by the following week, I could just run and run very fast because my intent was to be intentional with my time. And I did this with my teams too in we have six hours as SDRs and top, you know, frontline folks to really put in prospecting. What are you really doing? Right. Mm-hmm. We always see the charts of what's really being broken down. Dorothy's sitting, you know, during day one by one and kind of doing these things and getting out five, 10, 15 emails. Whereas if she just spent the eight hours just getting everything in order, ironing everything out, then tomorrow she could come in and just crank out 30 emails and know exactly where she's going. You know, half SDRs will come in, tab out their accounts for 20 calls, 20 emails, and 15 of them are trash. Now you just wasted time, right? You pulled out 15 people, you got to close all other tabs, pull out new ones, and you're like, darn it. Whereas if you actually just put in the time to to iron out your systems, get yourself efficient, then you can run forever and not have to worry about it. And so not everybody has the luxury of just stopping for not prospecting for a week. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm still doing things, but like I really put my time there. But instead, do the work in the shadows, you know, every day, put on your calendar an hour for admin, right? And take that admin time to clean up your accounts, clean up and bucket your accounts, mark them, right? Target, you know, person here. So that way, tomorrow you come in, you pull a report, you click target, you know, and now you've got 500, you know, 100 people to call that are all your target. They're enriched, you know, their persona, you know what to do. And now you can just run for the day. Um, so that's what I would typically do when I'm getting a new territory or when I was, you know, coming into an org and get yourself in that hat before, you know, before you start getting out there, uh, really understand it and put that time into your, your system and then you'll be ready to, to run pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that's excellent advice. Something I've seen in like top performers that I've spoken to versus just average reps is the top performers have a strategy, they have a plan and they're putting a lot of intention into how they're doing their outreach instead of just oh, I need to send 50 emails. Like, let me just get those out as fast as possible. So I really appreciate you both sharing that. And again, Dorothy, that 45% reply rate, that's insane. Um, so yeah. It's She's just, like, what else? What else? Yeah, you know, just, just, just I know that was the norm. Y'all ain't getting 45. <laughs> well, call me. Hey. No, that's incredible. Um, so it looks like about 92% of you are primarily using LinkedIn for prospect outreach, which is amazing, or prospect um, information gathering. And I think that 
I mean, it really shows like the industry that we're in. It, a lot of our buyers are active on LinkedIn, which is awesome. But hopefully this has given you a few ideas of other places to look um, like their company websites, maybe their earnings reports, if they're bigger organizations or job descriptions, um, anything like that to get a better understanding of the buyer's language and their needs, I think could be super impactful. So I want to jump into the next section, which is all about how the the sales market is becoming more and more competitive. Like I know that we have a lot of SDRs and AEs in this room, and it's definitely, I feel like, harder than ever to get your message heard. So what are some things that you're seeing in terms of messaging that are working in 2023 and what's not working anymore? I'd love to start with you, Dorothy. Uh, Yeah. So for me, right, it, there's two things that I keep in mind. The simplicity of my messaging, how long I'm right, how you know, how many words I'm using, and then also, am I talking about you know something that matters to them, or the cost of inaction of not taking, uh, you know, having this conversation? Um, but really, simplicity and word count, right? It's like one of the things I've learned in life is that. It, if you're using, if you're saying too much, too uh, with too many words, it tells me that you're not actually confident in what you're saying, right? You're kind of you end up just rambling on in your messaging, and so you know, the more concise and direct you can be in your messaging, it then conveys that that confidence and that credibility that everybody thinks you know comes from using giant big words. But it's actually the opposite. Um, being, you know, I think that third to fifth grade level is what we're seeing the data. Um, and then also being around, you know, 25 to 50 words. And sometimes, you know, you can play on that a little. I Sometimes I do write longer emails, but I'm, I still keep in mind of, am I using my buyer's language? Am I keeping it simple? Right? I'm not using giant words like automation, artificial intelligence do this stuff i'm using their words and it resonates with them i think that's incredible advice and i have an email here from you that i think sums that up perfectly could you walk us through the writing of this email and kind of your thought process behind it uh yeah this is literally using his words in what he wrote right his, his the whole thing was talking about being in the corner with the reps being in the trenches so that was my subject line that was the words that he used, again, uh, pointing out that, hey, you know, saw your post specifically around reps and prospecting. Um, and then he he automatically, he, he gave me the stuff. It's The pain point was there. It's just so much harder to get a response these days, and it takes a lot of time to craft those messages. And so, you know, I just took those based on my framework and then put my call to action in there that shows that, hey, my solution could probably give you um, a little boost there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I feel like a lot of people get trapped in the mindset of thinking they need to convey a ton of information in that first email. Um, I've definitely fallen into that myself before of like, okay, I need to write so much information, tell them every reason why I'm reaching out, like make sure they understand like how amazing my tool is. For people who are struggling with that, what advice do you have for them to strike the balance between sharing enough to capture their interest and get them to respond versus going completely overboard and going way past this like word count and simplicity count guidelines. Me or Tom? Uh, let's go Tom. What was the question? I was I was mesmerized by Dorothy for a few minutes. 
No, you're totally <laughs> fine. I guess my question is, for people trying to figure out how to write more concise emails, but are struggling with figuring out what information to include, because it's very tempting to include all the information. And because you really want your prospect to understand like, yes, I'm an amazing org. I have so much value to share. I want you to respond to me. How do you narrow down what you're saying into just enough that it captures their interest, but not so much that it's going to overwhelm their inbox and make sure that they don't want to respond to you? Well, our number one goal or should be an email is to get a reply, right? It's not booking a meeting. It's not anything. It's to get a reply, have a conversation, um, and start somewhere. And so when you're going to write your email, my big thing and what I look at is two things. One, how do I make them the hero of the email? And two, how do I remove the burden, right? Because when you write the novel and you think, gosh, this is my first email to them. I got to drop the whole kitchen sink, make it so perfect. Let go of that fear, that, that stress, and just chop it up with a friend, right? Start the conversation on a very low, minimal ask and very simple kind of conversation that maybe an email I can respond right back to you. A new call to action that I started is mind if I move, you know, uh, mind if I drop you a voice note and text message and we could pick carry the conversation. I've been getting people to be like, yeah, that'd be great. And so then I'm taking it offline and moving over there because it's a very low ask that when they get in my email, they read everything. The ask is super easy, right? How many times do you read an email and the ask is such a burden that like, you want me to stop what I'm doing, write out this whole thing, Dorothy, to tell you about how my reply rates are awful. I can't get my team to get. I don't have time for that. But if Dorsey's like straight up, Tom, I listen to your podcast. I understand you're having a hard time generating responses. Love to send you some more information on that. Would it be worth the time? I can respond and be like, it absolutely would. I would love to see that. Thanks. She then comes back to me and now we're conversating and it's much easier versus, hey, saw your podcast, saw that you were having some issues with your reply rates. Can you talk me through what you're seeing with your reps? Where are they struggling the most at? You know, Is it in the beginning? Is it, you know, using the personalization? Is it taking too long? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Talk soon. What? Like, I don't have time for all that. I can't write past Team Dorothy and be like, oh, so yeah, hey, this is everything that's going on. Just try to put in a perspective of they're in a flyby. They're looking at their email. What is something that's super easy to ask them to get the, co- the reply back and get the conversation going? And what's just enough to get them natural curiosity to be like, I want to know more. Wait a minute. What? Dorothy could write an email right now about, I was just at a webinar that I, I, I shared that I get 45% reply rates that people aren't seeing. Curious if that's something you're, you're not seeing. Is that accurate? Super easy email, but I get why she's reaching out. I understand that this is going towards email and I understand that she's intriguing me with a 45% reply rate and her ask is super easy. It, like, is that intriguing to you? Yeah, 100% is, Dorothy. What, how are you doing that? Boom, easy conversation. So that's that's kind of how you have to look at it to realize what information you need to really put in there. Just get a conversation started. Take it in bits. Be much smaller. You don't have to lay out all this stuff. Talk about their the insight they're facing, how you can solve it, if at all, and then use an exploratory tone on, is this even up your alley right now? Is this something that, you know, is, is something we should be even talking about before you just assume and drop this big email in their inbox and be really rude. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great way to break it down. And I like how you define what the purpose of that first email is. Um, I saw you put in the chat, Dorothy, like one email, one idea. Can you expand on that a little bit? 
Yeah, one one idea, one email, or one email, one idea. Right? Don't try to word vomit everything in that email, that first email. I kind of think about it as breaking down like the cold call, right? You've got your opener, you're telling them why you're reaching out, or you're asking like, hey, you know, <laughs> would you be open, you know, to letting me tell you um, what this conversation, why I called you in the first place. So um, I try to break it down because you all, you have the follow-up email. Guys, don't slip there. <laughs> you can then elaborate on the emails and continue the conversation in follow-up emails. So the first, like Tom said, is to pique that curiosity, um, kind of allude to, you know, where you're trying to go there and seeing if it's an actual fit. Because if it's not, like you're wasting your time trying to get after somebody that um, doesn't want, isn't ready or isn't a fit for what you actually solve. Um, and I always say, like, you don't have to reach out to everybody. You need to reach out to the right people. Well, you don't have to assume either, right? Like, how, like, I just feel it's rude to assume that, like, you think this is a problem for me or you think that I, I need to hear all about this tool more so in just being conversational, right? And is this even a priority right now? Where are you at? My favorite line and when I write emails is, you know, seek to understand and be understood, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just seeking to understand, you know, here's what I saw, my trigger. This is why I'm reaching out, Sydney. Is is that resonating with you? Is that even a top of priority at the moment? Because if it's not, like, I'm going to kick rocks. Like, it's all good. Um, and so it just opens up more conversational replies in your emails versus just assuming, hey, your your stuff's broken. I see it. You need to fix it. Call me. Let's get a meeting. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Don't call their baby ugly. It's, it's right. Don't call their, like, that's the hashtag of the year. Don't call people's babies ugly, ugly anymore, right? Like, just ask first or just say why I reached out. Like, Sydney, I'm seeing here on your post some of this stuff. Like, am I in the right ball, ballpark here? Is this even what you're doing? And most of the time, they'll be like, absolutely. Or actually, no, incorrect. We did get that solved. We actually got a provider last week. We're, we're all taken care of now. Cool. My time could be better spent elsewhere before I get through email two through seven, eight, nine, right? I can get them out of the sequence way earlier um, and save everybody time. I, I think the key points here are kind of reframing the purpose of the cold outreach. And it's not, you're not trying to force something. You're not trying to make your prospect do something. You're genuinely trying to understand a pain that they're facing and see if the solution that you provide is a fit for them at this time. Like, of course, you're going to run into objections and stuff, but th that's a whole other conversation. But I think when you take it back to you want to make it conversational, you want to show them that you know them, talk in their language, you want to address relevant triggers that they've talked about, and you want to keep it short and sweet so that it's as easy as possible for them to take action on what you're saying. So I, I think from, from what I've gathered from what both of you have shared today, that's kind of the approach that we should be taking as reps. Who are we reaching out to? What do they care about? What's a quick way we can communicate to them one idea at a time, things that we're seeing in the market that they might be struggling with that we might be able to help with and just kind of going from there. Um, so I, I want to leave a little bit of time here. I see we have a few questions in the Q&A. Um, the first one is one we've chatted about a little bit, but I'd like to go a little bit deeper on um, from Nicholas. How do you add in personalization in relevance when your ICP is not super active online? Tom, if you want to start us off there. And it goes back to the the 
the persona, right? Get in the world of your persona. Um, understand, you know, if I'm reaching out to somebody, I go and look and their LinkedIn is completely dead. I can't really get much. Then I'm going to lean into the lane of the other stuff. I'm going to personalize about their company. I'm going to personalize about their role because that's stuff I know. And, and that is, you know, accurate information, right? They are a digital marketing, uh, you know, VP. They, you know, do work at this company, which is very similar to other companies. So I kind of pull from all of that. Um, and really try to you know bring in that personalization and relevancy around their their company or that kind of information. So that's why they need to. That's what is there any? I would add in third party resources because that's industry news that you can call in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Press releases, new articles that are coming out from the company standpoint, right? You can pull all of that in, um, and referrals and introductions help too, right? Calling in for people you might know, um, you know, trying to get an in by somebody else, you know, Hey, was talking with John over here, referred me your way. That can be an element of personalization too. Yeah. Gotcha. Or, yeah, that makes sense. You know, things like, you know, literally third party resources that are reports from Gartner, big, big consulting companies that put out, uh, literally industry news. You can take that and be like, Hey, is, is this you too? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the, that's super smart. And I think leaning back on all those other things that we talked about of like, you have a general understanding of what people like them struggled with, even if you don't have a million LinkedIn posts from that spe specific persona to reference, you still generally have enough information to write some sort of relevant messaging. Um, I, I saw a question in the chat that I'd like to address quickly. Um, do you find it more difficult to get replies when products are like C-suite level? Like, Do you approach those conversations differently or is it always just kind of a human to human conversation? Yeah, well, I think when it comes to C-suite, they really want to see that you've done their their res your research, right? So I tend to run a play where I speak to everyone around them and below them to get a lay of the land. Mm. I take that, I make a hypothesis, and then I show up in their inbox. Um, or I do a simple, hey, just wanted to keep you in the loop. This is the things that, you know, I'm working on with so-and-so because um, sometimes, you know, that C-suite, yes, they're going to be like the ultimate decision maker, but they don't want to be in every single conversation talking to a salesperson realistically. Gotcha. Tom, anything you would add to that? It's a human-to-human -human conversation, right? You know, most people are like, oh, you used to be an S&B. How can you jump to enterprise? How can you talk with these folks? They're just humans. They all, we all have the same kind of fundamental desires when being emailed or, you know, the way we want to be spoken to. And like Dorothy said, get a lay of the land, go work around them, get it to the point where they can't not see you. Right. And so by the time you do email them, it's like, Hey, I was talking with Sydney, uh, Dorothy, and she had let me know, you know, this is happening within the org. How are you tackling that right now? That's your email to a C-suite. I think it's a lot more bite-sized. You can get away with a little bit more lengthier emails to the lower level individuals, but those C-suites are very to the point, very brief, bring in clarity, make sure your message is very, very clear. Um, and then like Dorothy said, just they want to know for a fact that they are not putting in a sequence and they are not being reached out to as mass. Like it's yeah. the easiest way to get rejected. You could do that with the other roles and the other folks, but when it comes to those C-suite, like you shouldn't be doing that. Like there's not many, like 
in every account, you're reaching out to one or two, you know, you've got a list of a hundred for the quarter that you're working in the C-suite. That's your personalized emails every day. That's your reach out that should be super directed at them Why everything else is working around them. The other campaigns, you're talking to the managers, you're calling the reps and then using that intel to funnel that, that messaging for them and that narrative. And I like Dorothy's approach. Hey, I'm just keeping it in the loop. Hey, Sydney, I just wanted to drop a note to you. I'm actually been speaking with John and Sarah on the team. It might be coming up the funnel to your way soon, but you know, we're, we were, we're talking about your reply rates. Is that yeah. something you would want to be involved in? Now we kind of get a response. They're like, yeah, why am I not hearing about that? Or yeah, John told me about that. You know, if you have any questions, let me know. And now you can get them involved. Nice. So it's just like an extra layer of intentionality where you're learning even more about them and their orgs since they are that final decision maker. But you're right. At the end of the day, it is another human being. They care about the same things that you do. So keeping that human approach is super important. Um, I, I know we have more questions. I'm sorry, guys, we didn't get to everything. I think we could talk about this all day long. Dorothy and Tom are both incredible resources. Definitely go give them both a follow on LinkedIn. Um, they share a lot of incredible content that's going to benefit you a lot in your sales careers. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Definitely connect with us, follow us on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. Share this with a friend if you found it valuable. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Tom and Dorothy. I really appreciate all the wisdom you shared. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.